Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk. Hey, go bunt on Twitter. Uh, sorry for the short break there, but we're back and better than ever. Uh, short break meaning like two weeks. I don't really know why I'm apologizing. Uh, but I'm here with uh, a favorite of the show, uh, uh, Mr. Alex Deegan. Hello, Deegan. How, how, you, are how you doing? Yeah, I'm just doing like well. just like last time, I want to tell the audience that we were just like, you know, mid-conversation and it was going places. So I was like, fuck it, let's... Let's just start. Yeah, I think, I think I think it was when uh, when I said uh, representation is now one to one reality. Uh, Deegan just said like, look, we probably should start rolling because um, we were, we're talking we're about gold here. <laughs> well, not even that. I was just I I felt myself about to go like off the deep end, and I was like, well, before I start talking for forty minutes, <laughs> we're never going to finish this show. Yeah, exactly. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, so so uh, welcome back, Deegan. How are, how are you? What have you been up to is, since the last time we chatted? I don't know when the last time we did a show was. Uh, summertime or something? I sure. No idea. Let's say it's summertime. Uh, good. Honestly, a whole lot has not changed. I went through okay. like what everybody went through of like summer being like, oh, I'm back. Everything's back. It's kind of weird to just kind of slowly being like, oh, this might be a lot like 2020 and 2021 again. Let's see what's going on. But I, I got I got a booster last oh, Friday. Cool. I was going to ask cool. if you found love, but uh, the booster probably better. Nah, yeah, <laughs> I did. I did get a reaction to the booster, which is crazy because I didn't really get a reaction to either of the doses. I got. Well, it's a uh, weird thing. Like I've, I've, I've not seen anyone actually give a sense of like how, like the consistency of the reactions, and I, I feel like it's because there is none, uh, which is fine. I mean, that's just like that's what happens. That's like flu shots. Well, but I'm like, speaking uh, out of my ass here, but I, I feel like viruses in your body different people have different like general ambient loads of viruses in their body and i feel like both of my parents being like their 60s and 70s when they got the boosters they were totally fine but younger Mm -hmm. people seem to be like i got the boost the second one the day after i was just like very low and fatigued and felt kind of hung over for a day but that's all i had Trump tweeted about you and called you low energy. Alex. <laughs> it, was, it was really rough. He actually he put it out on one of those things where it said like presidential like release or whatever. That he has to do now he is he is he it. doing those anymore? Because I don't uh, know. I, didn't, I don't. I, I, I don't I hear about seen him. them. Uh, I, I like. I want to think he is because they were really funny. I, I um, imagine I wouldn't be surprised as like some kind of like demented make work thing if he's just doing it and then passing it to somebody or like. <laughs> Like speaking one aloud to someone who's pretending to write it down, like that's I a funny. Be... That's a funny way of do, of saying that because, like, when you said demented make work, all I thought it was like, oh, it's make work for him because he's demented. So, oh no, uh, I, everybody, the situation is demented. He's demented, and the make work is. They're just all like... demented. Yeah. Um, no, uh, um, you know what's funny is I've actually heard the opposite. Uh, welcome to the epidemiology podcast, uh, where, where two guys talk about what they've heard or believe yeah, about yeah. epidemiology. Um, we're number one on iTunes for a reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I actually heard when I got, um, I'll open myself up to like insane people now, but I, my daughter, I got my daughter vaccinated. She's, she's seven. Um, I'm so leaving she, the call. Why? No, I know. I know. It's, it's a real problem. I, I like, you, you know, you have probably caught tons of shit about that. Cause my, nah. a, good fr- a good friend of mine, uh, got his daughter who's 14 12 something okay. like that early teens vaccinated and his family not necessarily like anti-vax but his brothers were like do not give that to a kid blah blah, blah. 
Weird. Like, and there's a huge fight. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. But. Oh, no, my family was very supportive. Everyone was like, oh, that was a good idea that you did that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, people people were cool with it. Um, and actually, all of our friends are getting vaccinated, too, which is, like, nice, honestly. Well, um, that was driving me fucking insane because, like, early on in the coronavirus, there was this truism of, like, kids don't get it, kids can't get it, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, uh, do you know Derek Ballard, the cartoonist? Great guy, great artist. When I kept hearing I think that, so yeah, okay. His, his son was literally in the ICU on a ventilator from. Oh God! Like, and early on, like, and I was just thinking, and while that was happening, they just kept being like, "Yeah, open schools. Kids can't get it. Kids can't get it." I was like, "Dude, I know somebody whose kid is almost fucking died from it. Nobody knows what the long term effects are going to be." Like, yeah, it's 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 weird. Like, it's I, I don't know. Like, it's it's a tough one because like. Tilly's been in school like for for a while now, and the reason Tilly's been in school for a while now is because like it was like she she doesn't do she didn't she didn't do well with like um with virtual because she like she does really well when she's in the classroom and she gets really bored when she's not. Yeah, I mean at but, yeah six or seven virtual oh, is probably a fucking nightmare. How do you even One focus? Of her friends, I, I've told this story a million times, and it, like it sounds like it's made up until you know the friend who's like. Very much her her own like she, she she's she's a funny kid, uh, she's great. Like her mom, uh, her mom like has an older kid too, so uh, she's she's really nice to talk to and like very even even keeled uh, in in most everything. Um, so she's pretty chill. Uh, but she she was talking about uh, her daughter um, and, and said that like she got so bored uh, while doing uh, virtual schooling that she uh, took a spoon. And like moved a map on her wall and started digging a hole to get. Oh, no. <laughs> she actually like, like prison like break a, style. Yeah, like d- dug a legit hole in in the wall. Wow, like, that's really real. Good Jeez, stuff. man, that's uh, that's it, that's for real. It rocked. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like really cool. Um, but yeah, no, like we we got her back and like it was it was it's been fine for the most part because like most people wear masks and and all, but. You know, it is it is this weird thing where because because like the the discussion is about, you know, kids can't get it or whatever. It ends up being this this longer conversation about like, oh, well, like, are we doing more harm with this mental health plague or whatever? But here's like the th- here's the thing. That is some real fucking what's it called? Uh, concern trolling like nobody gives yeah. a shit. This is a country where kids are expected to learn to drill about like school shooters being there and have lockdowns and basically act out fucking war zone shit. So hearing from those crocodile tears of those people, mainly right wing people here. I mean, there's oh, probably yeah, almost, people. I mean, there are some. There are some well meaning people who hear it and they're like, "Oh no!" Like, I hope. Yeah, you know, I mean, but it like, can't. It can't be good for kids. But the fact that right wing people are like, "There's not much that's good for kids." I gotta, I gotta tell you, <laughs> the fact that the fact that these right wing shitheads who are fine with giving children no future, no safety, no material, like anything, are also just like, I'm worried that they're all going to be hurt emotionally. It's like. Where's your worry when it's not making sure that the factory is running? Like, you know what I mean? No, you're totally correct. And, like, ultimately it all – it all, yeah. I mean, like, kids being in school – it's a funny thing because, like, I wanted Tilly back in school and I'm still glad she's there. I also recognize that a lot of people are, like, clutching their pearls about having kids back in school because 
they want the parents to be able to go back to work more. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. That and they were pushing from that early on. They were pushing that in like March and May of oh, yeah, 2020. Sure. It was just like, and like, look, you know. I mean, like, there was a part of me that wanted Tilly to go back to school because, like, and Oscar because it's like really hard to parent two children at home. Like, it's my life now is a lot easier than it was then because, like, yeah, you could I probably just, work much easier without. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, a lot easier, and like, just you know, it's not. It's exhausting to be around kids all day. Like that's just kind of that's kind of how kids are. Like <laughs> they're, they're, that, they're a little exo- they're great, but they're a little exhausting. And so, like, yeah, I mean, like it's it's a very funny balance. But yeah, the uh, you know now it's become a real political thing. The uh, which is no the not news to anyone. But the uh, my my school district, the school district we're in, is um, uh, like really really performatively Trumpy. Like the and the school board is all like hyper conservative. Like one guy has posted stuff about how QAnon's real. I oh, think like what lady was that? Yeah. Not like please understand. I do not mean this in any sort of like we have to talk about January sixth sort of way. <laughs> uh, but she was there at like the thing, like that that kind of that kind of stuff. But like they they've sent out emails and and made it clear that they don't believe in the mask mandate and they they encouraged parents to lie about mental illness in their children so they wouldn't have to wear masks. Um, God, that as a parent, that must be so infuriating. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's it's hugely infuriating. Um, you know, and 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 it's it's sad in its own way, and there's all sorts of stuff. But like, ultimately, it's been really nice, I will say, to have the reassurance that like most of my and like honestly, like everyone we know pretty well, um, like. The, they they are vaccinating their kids like and it's it's kind of like okay like that's pretty that's pretty nice like that that makes me feel a lot better um knowing that like at least we have basic norm like basic agreements basic sort of social agreements between each other as like parents of kids that hang out with each other so well a friend of my, a friend of mine who's out in the midwest was telling me i'm like you know he had a kid who was turning six so it was going to be there his daughter's like first school experience basically in, in fall in fall of 2020 and told me that they had a whole school board that was setting up and getting ready to try to make it safe. And like a hardcore, whoever superintendent or whoever was at the top, who was just like super Trumpy to an insane way that he was basically erasing the work that they were doing so much. Yeah. So that all of the parents were like, wait, so we're not going to do like, ventilation checks and masks and stuff and I was like no no absolutely not <laughs> out of like this like add, to the point that my friend was like I guess I'm not putting my kid in her first school year because the literally yeah. like I'm being told like any like basic steps cannot be taken because some shithead is like you know like so yeah it's it's interesting that like uh the way that um it's interesting the way that the pandemic has revealed just how successfully that whole like federalist society, like let's take over the, 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 the small arms of power in the country sort of thing. Has, oh, Hey, has hey, man. Like, like, but it's, it's also funny because I don't know. I, I feel like there's almost like a, a strange ideological slash psychological thing at play that like, it's an old truism that sort of conservatives conservativism doesn't solve any problems, but exacerbates those problems and makes people 
feel like strident against them while continuing them. Like that's a given. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to, no, I mean, the, the, I mean that's, that's true of like a, true. abortion. That's true of how guns exist in this country in a crazy way. That's basically unthinkable anywhere else. Like they, but the fact that a pandemic that seems fairly cut and dry insofar as like, it's not about individual liberty if literally there's a plague and you want to make less people catch it and less people die. This seems right, pretty yes. cut and dry to the point that like the fact that that could become the stupidest culture war ever. Oh, like, and it has. And it has. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, and it 100%. has to the point where even like people that I meet who are like – who are being very careful about what they're doing are like – Oh, well, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm just being careful. I'm not a pussy kind of thing. And you're like, don't worry, man. Like I, I, I wasn't going to call you. I wasn't going to call you a pussy for wearing a mask. Like, and it's, it's, just, it's just weird. Cause I've also seen a lot of like, and take this with a fucking grain of salt, but like online, oh, I will. online, online leftist type people who I normally like, who like last spring, especially were like, yo, I'm sick of all of these COVID scolds, these COVID scolds. And it was like, why are you coming at this problem from the fucking right? Like, yeah, libs are annoying and people being smug about masking up or whatever or doing it from a place of entitlement. That, that's annoying. But so far as like people contributing to the fucking body count, you don't really have to worry yeah. about that. Now, I, I mean, like we all know that you are you're a big fan of Molly Klein. Her, her, <laughs> well, her turn into anti-vax was like hard for you. We've I'm just I'm just that. saying I was watching, you know. People who I normally like and agree with, but they're internet people, so whatever. Yeah. But like being like like being like fucking precogs minority report style and getting mad in like like fucking April about like, oh, when we have the vaccine in the summer and we're all hanging out, all the libs are gonna be scolding us. And it was like, why are you wish casting this thing and you're mad at the libs <laughs> who want you to wear a mask? Like I feel like a lot of I feel like a lot of like everyone's reaction to COVID was a matter of just like coping. Yeah. And I don't I don't yeah. mean that in I mean I guess I do, but I don't mean that necessarily in the oh it's cope kind of way. It is cope, but it's because everyone <laughs> needed to cope. Like it was just like I, I agree. I agree with you, and I'll one up you by saying, "Yo, everybody is being mad cringe right now." <laughs> yeah, because they needed to. <laughs> that's no, 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 to it it is coping. It is coping, but that's so much of like you know. I fucking say this every time I talk to you, but it's like so much of things being out of our hands makes us like look at it in a term of affect, mm-hmm. and that's what yeah. we talk about all day. Because like. Short of like armed revolution stopping <laughs> the source of the problems, like everything becomes like this weird, like story of manners, and like yeah. all of those matters become like sublimated to political problems at their sources instead of their actual sources. You yeah, know? And, and and so like even people who are like you know I I hesitate to use the word because it, it like it has it it sounds satirical when I say it here, but like. You know, like even people who are like materialist or whatever, like you, you, you end up sort of doing the thing that you, oh, I, I never do this. Like, you know, I'm, I, I don't I don't like to do this. Uh, and you 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 become like very committed to, you know, being being like imaginative and stuff and saying like, oh, when the when the pandemic's over. Here's what I imagine my stupid foes will say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, that's OK. Like, that's how you got to get through it. But like. Don't keep it up. (laughs) Well, I just thought it was funny that basically the cultural critique 
at its basis continues to be like a very right wing one. Yeah, no, for sure. And I don't mean that as like, I'm not even saying that as like a, a, as far as cultural affect, as much as what it's both its focus and its reasoning is like to be mad at like scoldy people who are scoldy about masks or smug about masks. Like that's so much better than, uh, you know, the amount of adult men fucking throwing tantrums and men in power throwing tantrums. Like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not going to fucking clap my hands every time I see a security guard throw a grown man out of a fucking grocery store for acting like a babe. It's funny, but I'm just talking about like, we're at 800,000 dead. I think people being freaked out is probably better than people not. Yeah. No, I think, <laughs> that's, I think like, that's completely correct. And like, yeah, I, you know, the, I don't know, like the, the nature of the whole thing has been weird in, in so many different ways. And I think like the weirdest way is probably that we aren't even really interrogating our reactions to this stuff anymore. Well, we're um, not interrogating our reactions at all. And we're also not even grieving. That's one of the weirdest things. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I said this to like a year ago, like two years ago. It's like the, the sheer amount of people who have died. Like if we don't face this as a country, like we're looking at some like Germany fucking free corpse type shit coming out of this. Oh, you don't, don't actually... worry. You're definitely not facing this as a country. Cause uh, I just saw a tweet today that said like, that was like, huh? Eight, 800,000 dead, huh? Uh, look at this. Uh, 800,000 abortions happened. So, uh, you know, we're, we're doing really, really no, good work. <laughs> I was at a, I was at a BLM March. Uh, not that. Yeah. It was one, two summers ago. And, uh, it got to a point where it was kind of like an open mic thing towards the end. Like open mic Eagle was there. No, I wish it was, it was more, it was just more like who else wants to speak. And then you kind of look around like, yeah, this could go any number of ways. And more than two people got up and was like, what we're protesting right now is important, but we have to understand why it happens. And we're like, okay, okay. I wonder where he's going to go with this. He's going to talk about like, uh, history of america or something he's like every day babies are killed and you're like you're talking about police shooting kids yeah okay then he was like in a thing called abortion that you are all fine and you're like all right man <laughs> and then like the first guy kind of got hissed off and everybody was telling him to wrap up <laughs> and then like a bunch of other people talked and then another guy got up and he was like you actually um the man came here and was very proud and very honestly talking to you people and you wouldn't hear it. So I'm, and we were just like, are you doing abortion again, man? Like read the fucking room. Like, come on, dude. Like we, like, we don't want to do it. We're done. First of all, like, it's not your day and it's not your crowd. So <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Just like calm down. Yeah. No, it, you know, it, it, yeah. I, I don't know. Like it feels like, it feels like everyone just wants a tether at this point And it's just like very, very willing to, to take, that feeling of like, God, I wish someone would connect with me out on anyone. (laughs) Well, I I think there's also a lot of anger and I feel like it's been the history of, it's been American culture for most of my adult life. And partly I was seeing it from afar because I wasn't even living here. But like, I think both our reasoning of who we should be mad at and what we should be mad about is like obscured by so many fucked up crazy levels of mystification. Yeah. Then you like meet people and they're like, they're like, 
And another thing, people listen to shoegaze, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, man. Like, <laughs> what do you, what, why? <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 you're right. Like, it, yeah, it is, it is like, and I think like, you know, we shouldn't honestly be that surprised that, uh, like, we, we were willing, we're in, incapable of like, coming to some sort of like agreement on a pandemic when like in fact everything is mystified to the point that of course the pandemic would take on political relevance that had really nothing to do with the fact <laughs> that it was a deadly pandemic dude i saw yeah yeah well anyway what what we were talking about when i said uh let's stop burning cast here was you were trevor was telling me about uh someone saying 2016 but her emails 2021 <laughs> but my student loans yeah, right. Uh the yeah, the 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 conflation of um the conflation of news stories and actual policies uh which you know, it's it's actually very normal to to think that um it's good um uh it, it's actually normal to to understand Joe Biden not paying off student loans as just like another another wacky story that the Republicans are coming up with um, or, or it's like, of a, like an active policy choice that he's made. Yeah. And also it's, 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 it's reducing an actual thing that people have to live with to a ridiculous grievance, but it's also listing them one after another, like that fucking Billy Joel song. Like we didn't start the fire where they all have like some kind of meeting just in the ordering instead of like looking at being like, well, you know, but like, the thing I wanted to say about that is where, like, it's just like these empty signifiers being slotted in. Like, I don't know. I feel like I might have talked to you about this, maybe not even on a podcast, but like in like 2017, I want to say it was a time when like America was both on fire and flooded at the same time, yeah, which has yeah. happened like twice. So it was, I think it was when there was that huge hurricane hit texas and really messed it up yeah that was yeah that would have yeah that's that sounds right like and it, also i mean and there were wildfires in california too i'm assuming yeah they were happening at the same time and right. somebody put up a like a screen cap of of a facebook page it was like you know these grandmas are crazy or something and it was just a really bad photoshop of uh, a flooded thing in texas and it was like a rowboat and on the rowboat was Donald Trump handing out supplies to people who are stranded. <laughs> and it had like it had like a caption like the media doesn't dare show you this. And then it had all of these comments underneath from the grandmas being like, God bless him. God bless him. They're hiding this like nobody dares tell you that he's out there really doing it. I love him. I love my president. And like I saw that. And everyone was like passing he is it doing around. the work if you think about it. <laughs> Doing the hard work. Of, he wouldn't even leaving. lift a hand to like pull his son out of any of oh, his sons no, out of the way not. of like a speeding car. Like he wouldn't even wave or gesture at that. But then, beside the point, there like everybody was laughing about that. But I, I was like super freaked out, and I showed that to my friend Pete. And I was like, "Do you think people a really believe this? B really want to believe this? Or C just want to perform believing it in a way where it's like a believable reality?" And he was like, "It's all of those things mixed up at once. It's what we all do now." And I was like, "Oh no, yeah, <laughs> no. no, that's 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 very very true. Yeah, it's like it's yeah, basically it's any uh, for for our crew, it's any given like Bernie thing where it's like, well, Bernie didn't actually say that, and it's like, but he could have like if you think about it. Like, <laughs> well, it's also like yeah, and I mean, it's also just funny that I feel like that's 
kind of how fandom works where it's kind mm. of like, Oh, well, you know, this Disney film is actually ending racism or something and you're racist for blah, blah, blah. Or like, right. I mean, everybody was clowning on time person of the year being Elon Musk. And then a friend of mine was like, look at the mentions in that announcement tweet though. Someone, yeah. Someone was like, those mentions are like what hell is. (laughs) Yeah. And they were, they were literally like, Oh, you're mad at a man who's ending like ending global warming and, and giving everybody like, and listed all of these things that would be great. That, that fucking man is literally not doing like, like anything that we actually should have and need that we should aspire to that, that man has nothing to do with other than PR that he is, you know what I mean? And you know, the other thing about it is like, it, it, it ends up like we, we, a lot of people make fun of, um, you know, like they make fun of the 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 K-pop stands or whatever, or, or or you know juggalos or whatever. Like, you know, they sort of become like these these figures of people who are like, yeah, no, we like them, they're cool, and then also they're kind of unhinged. And ultimately, there there are people who are like, someone pointed this out to me where there was some person who was like tagged Elon Musk when <laughs> he was like main person the time like in that time tweet it's like yo elon musk check this out <laughs> yeah you see this did you think he didn't know <laughs> is this do you think this is news to him like what is going that's on that's got to be head? literally a thing where somebody was like oh my friend elon kind of like yeah exactly logical uh whatever yeah yeah like par- parasocial without even the sense of like reality yeah and like it 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 is that kind of thing where it's like okay you know this is we're all isolated we're all trying really hard to figure out like how to like make it through the day but like there's something really really like grotesque and weird about becoming a fan of like an industrialist <laughs> like it just it makes absolutely no sense um, but, but again just like the old ladies pretending that trump was handing out supplies to people on a rowboat in texas after a hurricane like do they actually believe that he's making the world better? Do they actually believe any of those things? Like, I think at oh, a fundamental for one hundred percent with Musk. Yes, but, but here's the thing: I think on a fundamental level, they must understand that, like, we live in a world where a kind of like the PR appearance of a thing is treated like it's the material reality of it. Yes. And if if it's treated that way, in a way through repetition of that being the way that things are done it doesn't actually become the material reality based on like a lie, but it material reality itself is shaped by people acting under that belief. You get what I'm saying? No, I totally do. And like, it, it is, it is the kind of like, I mean, this is, it's just the, uh, it's the whole Marshall McLuhan, the median is the mess. Median. The medium <laughs> is the message thing. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that is truly how this stuff works. It's how it becomes reality. It, it, it does manifest itself into something real when like, you know, like someone, someone like Trump and Musk are the same way this way. Like, I don't, I don't mean to make like any claims that they're the same in lots of ways. I don't really know enough about Elon Musk's politics. I don't think he has them. I think he just wants to make more money, <laughs> Yeah, of course. Um, which like makes him no different than like, you know, Jeff Bezos or whatever. Like, I don't know his heart, but I would, I would make a bet that he's racist as hell. <laughs> I mean, he's from South Africa. Like, listen, like, it is okay to think that people are racist if they're from South Africa. Uh, from a certain period of time, oh, white, white from South Africa. Yeah. Like, let's, let's be clear. You don't, 
you don't have you never have to think that you're that like other uh, that like black South Africans are racist. That would be a little strange. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think like, yeah, Elon, Elon, Elon just wants a lot of money. Like that's kind of like his deal. And, uh, you know, fine. Um, but ultimately, like if you, if you honestly think that, you know, he, he somehow, Oh, I remember what I was going to say here. Cause like I was, I was thinking about Elon and it, it made me go crazy for a minute. <laughs> um, like the thing about the thing about Elon Musk is like, you, you can't possibly imagine that he's doing anything different than, than Donald Trump in that. Like he simply sees something that could be real, says it in order to manifest its reality. And, and like in doing so makes it so right. Like that's what Trump does with like the, you can imagine what he would do when he'd see that, that uh, picture with the grandma's go crazy thing. Right. Yeah. Where like he would, he would be like, yeah, but like, I probably could do that. Well, I mean, <laughs> and, he and started, the media would. He hate started me for basically. It. He started basically saying that. Like he, the funniest yeah. things was Trump would just get up and just do like you know his fucking whatever his his freestyle and just be like, folks, you couldn't say Christmas before, you couldn't say it. We're bringing it back. We're saying they're saying it now, and you're just kind of like. Yeah, I don't, it's it like any given meme that he saw about himself, he's like, you know, like uh, the, the the fake news media wouldn't like it if I went out to Houston and gave out to, like, gave something out. But uh, maybe I'll do it. Should I do it? Ah, uh, maybe I'll do it. And like, it, then, it's just so funny yeah. though because like I don't want to. I don't want anyone listening to think I'm doing the like. It's like we're in a post truth blah 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 because like whatever. I I hate that line of argument considering the like last 20 years of America yeah, well, just lived yeah. through, where it's like it's like a man just invented lying and he's the president and he invented this is, this racism. is so much more post so much more post truth than when uh, Ronald Reagan said that uh he didn't believe that he had uh, sold weapons to, uh, sold weapons to to, to um to the Contras to, uh, or whoever Contras, but yeah. his uh, while his heart while his heart told him so, uh, his his mind and <laughs> like reason told him otherwise. And it's or like, even just more recent yeah, history right, of everything that have happened yeah. economically, major world war type shit going on that. Uh, oh yeah, but based on lies. But I'm just saying it's it's weird to me that uh, I don't know when when. One of the most confounding things about using social media is you see your friends and people you know to be part of like the relevance cycle or be talking about like the topic of the day, people themselves start for like sort of like to enter into the conversation, start speaking about PR things as if they're real, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which just feels very like hopeless (laughs) to me because it's like, (laughs) I mean, if you're an artist, you talk about things that are absolutely not real, things that don't exist. But your point is to, if possible, strike out to something bigger, whether real or true or whatever. There's something to express there to when you're having a conversation with like, you know, like, I don't know, whatever, like just whatever, like. Saw the way people were talking about Paul Thomas Anderson today, someone who I don't like, who, but at least you is pers- inter- personally have problems with him. No, yeah, but at least he makes interesting work. But I saw people straight up like acting like they were, you know, it was like fucking people in the 15th century having visions of the Holy fucking Virgin <laughs> Mary. They were just like, <laughs> when you see licorice pizza in theaters, the grazia and agape that comes off the screen will heal your wounds, kind of like level of things. And it's like, all right now, like 
we can we can calm down a little bit. Like it's good, <laughs> you know. Like I also feel that way about celebrity now. Like celebrity, mm. maybe maybe because I came from like a fucked up like punk rock milieu where you kind of maybe yeah, you were supposed to dislike celebrities, yeah, or distrust it. And and I think that people went really way too far in the point where it'd be like, you know, like, Oh, that guy fucking sold a comic book instead of giving it away. Psst, you know, like level. Of, yeah. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. For sure. Kind of thing. Like, like any, uh, Oh yeah. Like, like every single band at an open mic's like, God, I so hope that I get signed to a label. And then instantly anyone who gets signed to a label, you're like, well, I guess we know who's a sellout. Instead but I'm just, of really I'm just for like the scene. The, the weirdest thing is to watch people talk about celebrities in that way, like they're, you know, gods or whatever. Not not people. And art isn't a thing made by a person. It's like something on the other side of a moat from you, almost like yeah. spiritually. Super fucking weird because you'd hope that social media would do the opposite, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting because like uh, – so like uh, one of the things that was coming out with um, – Coming along with, with Licorice Pizza was, uh, I guess, one of the reasons people were talking about it was because of uh, Anita Sarkeesian uh, tweeted about it. And like, oh, wow, man, that thread. Yeah, you that know. was something. But like the reason it was something right, like Anita Sarkeesian famously, you know, feminist frequency, Gamergate, whatever. Like if you're listening to the show, you probably know who she is. But if you don't, she's like a feminist critic, uh, doesn't do terribly. I mean, like, look, I'm not. I'm not saying you should go to her house and like break down her door. I'm not like certainly she was she was the wronged party as far as that goes. But, um, you know, I don't find her criticism all that interesting. It's not. No, it was also funny because when she was the wronged party for that, what she was even doing at the beginning of it was like, hey, have you ever noticed a lot of women get killed in video games? And people were just like, bitch, I'll kill you. And it was like, (laughs) oh, my God, like, that's the level. Like, It was weird. And like it was but it was like even even that right, like even that analysis was like it was very similar to where licorice pizza analysis, which is like I saw something. And because because art is one to one with uh, with reality and there's no such thing as subtext. this is what it is. Like it was in Hitman, and it's like Hitman's a goofy game. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like okay, yeah, okay. There's dead women in Hitman, but there's a lot of dead people. It's like so. Is this actually saying something? And I think like ultimately that ends up being the crux of her analysis. And so it, it you know, it has its problems. But she did it with Lakers Pizza. She's like, uh, what was it? It was like there were anti. Well, first off, the funny thing she said was that um, these were talking points you could bring to your your friends and loved ones as if like someone said it's like politics and it, yeah, it is, but it's even more like um, if you've ever been, if, if, if people listening to this have not been, but like if you've ever been in a, like, um, like a, uh, an evangelical space, I was about to say it has the same exact thing about like, they literally give parents talking points about what's ungodly at a work or whatever. And yeah. If you need to, if you need to talk to your kid about why they should not be reading, like, this book that all their friends are reading, here are some talking points. Um, and that's basically it. And one of them was, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, if you, if you want, what did she say? Like, if you want to know if like, if like anti-racist jokes in a movie are actually anti-racist or if they're like laughing along with white people, um, wait, you look to see if white people are laughing. You mean anti-Asian, right? Well, there, there was anti-Asian. Well, no, she was, but she was saying like you could defend them as being anti-racist if you wanted to, like the knowing sort of anti anti-Asian element. Like I think oh, she yeah, was saying, yeah, 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 sort of like preempting critics of that by who would then say like, yeah, look, like it was a 
it was part of this. Like it's it's part of like the the commentary. And she was like, "Well, look around. Are white people laughing?" And some of they're like. But so, we, so, is, so that, is the is the is the categorization here? Did a white person laugh? Like, that, but that that's also impossible. so funny because that makes art then about a thing that seems as if it will be communal, but is you know is about surveillance and performance. Like, what, what what is a white person who reads that talking point then go into the movie? Are they sitting there going like, shouldn't laugh? I wait. Am I laughing? Am I laughing? Is this <laughs> like what? Well, what? yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, that, like that ends up being like okay. As a white person, what's my responsibility? Like, do I have to do I have to report back if it was funny? And like, what does that say about me? Yeah, it's it is not that's not the point of art to to it. Art can be didactic, but to assume all art is ex like you know by its very um, nature didactic is um, you're going to get some bad ideas there. And so, I, but I, okay. I don't know. I don't know if people again. I cannot tell if people actually believe that. Or they're in a, like a discourse power structure where the certainty of saying things like that is rewarded in a way. Like, oh yeah, no, you're right. I mean, they're, like, they're, I can they're, never, I can, yeah. I can never tell with people. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I think, like, I think you know, it. You could definitely argue that they they really do believe it. Um, I think because I, I feel like it's it's been like a hard decade of people saying like, if you depict something, you are selling it. Like everything's an advertisement. So if there's a character, even if they're a villain who is racist in your work, you, you have, yeah. Like you're you're part of the racism fandom or something, you know, like (laughs) that's how they treat it. It is a notoriously toxic fandom. I mean, let's be honest. Like, (laughs) yeah, stay away from, stay away from their discords, man. You you really don't like, it's not good, but, uh, yeah, I think like stay away from I joined the racism discord. It really was a problem. I was just um, looking for community, man. Everybody in here is so mean. <laughs> Why? Why is everybody Rules. in the racism discord so fucking mean? You will be banned for anything that is not racist. Oh, God. Uh, uh, but the um, – yeah, I think like what's funny about – what's funny about thinking uh, like, you know, depiction and stuff like that. I mean this is like – I feel like part of it comes along. It's the it's the other side of the coin um, with and actually this gets this gets me kind of closer to to what I wanted to have you on to talk about. But that's the beauty of having you on. Is that, <laughs> uh, uh, at, at, at minute 40, we could. Uh... Yeah, no, if anyone anyone is familiar with our work at this point, they know that this is how it goes. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I, you know, it is sort of the 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 other side of the. Um, it's the other side of the the um, oh, what do you say like the the cultural revelation revolution revelation the cultural revolution in um, in the academy like you know the the idea that like oh like now these kids are all woke because they they went to college but the other end of that is like the the sort of like terrified conservatism like I don't want to end up like my parents I don't want to be like a person who is like offensive or bad. And I don't know how to like contextualize that in any way. It doesn't come. It like honestly, it's not. It's it's not like oh, and then and then you know they cancel people. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's just more like it's more like they look for stuff and they're just like okay, this thing I liked was racist, and here's why. Or like this thing that I enjoyed at one point seems extremely racist, and like oh, now I, I need to disavow I, it. And so like it is an article of faith that comes from close reading that completely ignores the idea that like. 
you need to ask why and you need to like figure out how uh, a piece of artwork and, and like the the ultimate point i was coming to here was like it is what makes people distrust for whatever reason um uh, Lolita, the the book by Pynchon. Or, <laughs> wow. by Nabokov. Sorry, I'm leaving. Uh, I'm out. I, I do know who wrote that book. I'm gonna flip <laughs> my computer over and leave. Yeah. No, I was uh, telling. I was telling you. You would be. You would be very. You would be completely. And you're in the right to. <laughs> no, I was. Last time I was on, I was thinking I was telling you about how I saw that headline that was like, "How is Weinstein canceled and not Nabokov for writing yes, Lolita?" Yes. And I was like, um, "Because one's a rapist and one's an author who talked about a villain, like." <laughs> <laughs> Not the same. Actually, yeah, exactly. it, tri- it trivializes people like Weinstein to compare them to fictional characters. Okay. Like, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And like, it's, I mean, yeah, yeah. you don't have to, you, you know that you're absolutely right. But like, it is, it's like, it's, it's this, it's this moment where, where you're sort of like, you, you have to be like, okay, is, is like, is it bad that we've represented a, um, a, a sort of like sexual deviant and it's like well do we read him as like do you think Nabokov like actually thinks that Humpert Humpert's good I've, I've um, heard people I've heard people and I've actually argued with people who say that because I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't see it I mean they'd have to no, prove it to me I, well <laughs> I totally disagree because I, I love that book not because I'm part of the uh fucking <laughs> child kidnapping fandom but like you're, you're, you are famously a sexual deviant. Well, um, it's, it, the thing but about that's okay. it's the thing right about that. that book is like the main character. Okay, so someone once told me like, well, you know, I I actually when I was younger, I dated a guy who like it wasn't illegal, but he was much older than me, and it was kind of fucked up. And he loved that book, and I think he thought blah blah blah. And his reasoning was because the main character is so witty, and I was like. The main character is witty and self-satisfied and smug to show you that he doesn't care about anybody else. And he's also self-pitying and, like, vain and also stupid. Like, yeah, yeah. So when you're when you're getting a running monologue from, a, like, a self-aggrandizing monster, you don't go like, oh, someone could think this guy's cool, though. Because the... the, the <laughs> The story of history is people thinking a bunch of fucking idiots and monsters are cool. No, it's, exactly right. Yeah. But but the the thinking somebody is cool or not thinking somebody is cool is not what actually empowers brutality and murder and rape. It's 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 the material reality of of, of our societies that do. Well, that. And yeah, and also the fact that like if you're if you you know if you know someone who thinks like it think about you can think about it in a much more trivial sense like uh the um cuz i think like nabokov gets like a bunch of a bunch of heat on this cuz it is you know it's an issue like the the idea of like a a predatory man going after younger women is like obviously well, like well, people, so many so many times so many times when women are like well i don't want to read that i i always think like yeah if if that's something you don't want yeah. to like don't be read in, it. by all means don't like if you had a bunch of like shitty old professors who were like you don't understand literature until you read this like fuck those dudes like fine yeah they're not right um also luckily with nabokov he's got a bunch of really good books only one of them is about that <laughs> you know I, yeah i honestly so so two things there the one is if you really want to like understand literature and you know you for some reason are limited to reading nabokov books you just read pale fire then yeah like that's much more about literature <laughs> yeah um 
And then, like, the other thing is, the only book that you actually need to read to understand literature is Tristram Shandy and uh, and also J.R. Um, we talked about this. Yeah, we, it's, uh, no, I, don't worry. I've talked about it about 800 times. Uh, but, put, yeah, put, like, put Moby Dick on that so we could also... Oh, uh, yeah, Moby Dick, too. Yeah, no, like, oh, I'm sorry I forgot the, my three favorite novels. No, uh, I'm, with, I'm with you on Moby All Dick. dead white men, but I'll, I'll stand up and shout for it. No, well, that's something I feel like I think... The idea of having a canon means that, like, 99% of the time, I feel like a lot of people's reactions to, like, people shouldn't read this is probably from having, like, if you don't read this, you are not allowed. Like, it's like some kind of right. metric of gatekeeping. Well, which, yeah, and again, like, I think I think that's why people approach things like, like Nabokov the way they do and, and saying, like, well, my professor says I, I need to read this in order to be a real scholar. Like, what if it sucks? Like, what if it's bad? What if it's, like, problematic? I, I can say that I've had people who I really look up to tell me that I needed to read or to listen to or watch or whatever things that I just categorically do not like. <laughs> it's, yeah, it happens. In the, in the end, it's fine. I mean, it's funny because the other day, you know, it bums me out that, like, whatever comes out on Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever becomes the fucking topic of the week. But everybody was flipping out about the Beatles again, which has been a thing that's been going on my whole life. And, like, I'm oh. I'm old now. So, like, a lot of the people I looked up to in, like, record stores and who played in bands who were, like, five, ten years older than me in the 90s were all people who would go out of the way to tell you, like, I fucking hate the Beatles. Here are all the bands that are better than the Beatles the Ramones are better than the Beatles, you know, and after a while yeah. I'd be like, Oh, they're very different. I mean, I like <laughs> the Beatles fine. I, and then it took years for me to understand that they were like, because of that gap, they had probably grown up with like all of their teachers, their parents, all of society telling them that like yeah. rock music and music itself was finished because like the final form of it had happened. You know? Yeah. I like, mean, like, honestly, I have a, I have a, a Lovely man. Uh, nothing bad to say about him. Um, uh, the friend of my 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 parents. Uh, and his name's Ben Poston. He's like a super super nice guy. Loves the Beatles, and, and that's not a bad thing. Like you can love the Beatles, um, but also like is is like extremely evangelical about the Beatles. Like <laughs> like anything the Beatles would do, like it would be would be as if uh, like God Himself had touched it and like brought it into into the world and. I think if you like ran into a lot of people like that, yeah, like that's well, the, the I'm, whole I'm guessing point, that right, like people who were born in like the late '70s, early '80s, who I was looking up to as a kid, probably were growing up in the generation where that was just a given. So like, right. yes. you'd meet someone and be like, "What kind of music do you listen to?" And be like, "I like this, this, and this," and "Fuck the Beatles, fuck the Beatles." Like, also they would say "fuck the Eagles," which is funny because nobody fucking talks about the Eagles anymore. Yeah, and I, I hate just, the Eagles, but like, I mean, I like the, the the football team, but like, I don't like the band the Eagles. And <laughs> it was just people, funny. People was, love making that joke at me. Don't it, worry. It but. was just funny in the 1990s. People like, you know, who fucking sucks. The Eagles be like, fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't think about them. That's uh, fine. I guess they're on classic rock radio occasionally. All right, but anyway, I just say that to say like I can understand then, you know, wanting to say like the saints of the past have feet of clay. Like, of course that's like fucking dialectic reality of, of existing and generations passing from one to the next. And again, it comes to that. It goes back to that idea of like coping, right? Like you need some way to cope with the reality you're given. And if the reality you're given is a bunch of like people that you don't agree with saying like, you didn't get the, you didn't get the, like the way you did not understand. the assignment, <laughs> right? Like, 
Um, yeah, but I think there's there's a mistaken belief that we will build actually a good canon, a good pantheon. Oh, one hundred percent, which is fucking insane. Because like, if it's about art, th- this has a huge overlap of like celebrity and and art mixing, which I also hate because it'd be like, oh, you like that book? That guy fucking beat his son or something. And you're like. You know, they're all dead. They died before I was born. I don't know. I like that book. I'm not signing off on how he treated his kids. Like, <laughs> like, I, I, like I, oh, he did. I like the book so much more now. <laughs> that, okay, well, that would be worse. But I'm just saying, like, you know, that kind of conversation. And, you know, I hate to be a fucking broken record and boring about this, but like, I can't help but look at it from like a materialist view of like, we are acting these things out because we don't have political power everything Mm -hmm. has been reduced to cultural or the illusion of cultural power because like the machine will keep running no matter what the fuck you do whoever you elect the machine will keep running so after a while you're like um actually more left-handed people in children's films or something and it's like okay (laughs) it's like yeah fine good that's a bad i mean i think representation is good in but like but no but but representation itself will not end Racism, because but also representation at that point is like a. I mean, you're talking about representation at a truly like absurd level, right? Like to to the point where people are like, "Well, looks like you didn't like the first film to um, be written by someone whose parents did X and came." It's like, you know that. I'm glad that that person was able to write a film, but that's what's so fucking funny about you know. It just reminds me of the Clinton campaign in 2016. It's like people are like. Here's why you're racist for not liking it. And be like, if she came out and said hardcore anti-racist shit and put forward policy that was anti-racist, like, I'd be there. We'd be on the yeah. same page. The fact that we're like, we're like mystics, like looking through, sifting through micro expressions for like politics from celebrities is so fucking weird. Well, like, it's close. It's close reading on stuff that should never be close read. And uh, I mean, like, look, I, I, I do in a lot of ways blame the fact that everyone is constantly being like, oh, yeah, I had to write an essay on this earlier. Like, <laughs> like honestly, like so many people have that experience of being like, yeah, like, you know, my my professor like had me write, had me like, you know, look at look at the way that I don't know, like some, you know, X, Y or Z commercial functions because of semiotics. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. And then you're like, here's what I'm seeing when people say that they like Bernie. It's like actually uh, fascism. See, like, ooh, I like I, you missed you missed the important context clues. I don't, I think it might not have to do with sort of that that school thing as much as it has to do with just just the logic of communication now. Like, mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend of the podcast, Sean McTiernan, about that that new kind of school of of tweet or whatever that's been building over the last like 10 years in which people are like any idiosyncrasy of a director or an actor doesn't belong in film. Film has oh, to be yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. has to be like a smooth thing that just runs perfectly and be like, I see, I see that we have uh, Quentin Tarantino's uh, feet issues coming up. Well, it's just like, it's not even that you'll just read all these things. Like um, if it doesn't add to the plot, cut it out. You're like, what what is a movie? A movie is a train that's the plot that you get on at A and get off at B. Like, what are you fucking crazy? Like the experience is the experience. All of the right. details go into it will not necessarily follow a logical prescription. 
if it did, every piece of art would just be a list of its ingredients and you'd know what you were getting. That just defeats the purpose of having an aesthetic experience. If it doesn't have like internal contradictions, unanswered questions, space for you as a viewer or a reader or a listener to actually enter, then what is it? Like, but the fact that there are people who are like, I went to online argument school and figured out the best thing for like the best reasons why art works and actually cut out all of the human aspect of it. It's like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) Well, to go back. Yeah. I mean, to go back to your point about like the, the sort of like nascent conservatism um, in, in, in argumentation these days, like, you know, uh, at my, uh, my one relative's Thanksgiving, I wasn't there. I don't know if I'm grateful for this or not grateful for it, but, uh, um, the one person there apparently was, was very much like, uh, you know, he, he was telling, he was telling everyone how there was a, uh, you know, how there are concentration camps in Canada for, uh, the non-vaccinated and and stuff like that. And like (laughs) my, my stepdad was there and he's, he's a, he's a a retired ER doc and was like, I don't know, man, like that doesn't seem true. And and he was like, well, I've done 3000 hours of online research. What have you done? There it is. And like, I mean, that ultimately is, I mean, it's very funny. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say like, but that's not funny. It's scary. I Um, mean, it's it's both. Yeah, but like most things are, Um, (laughs) but (laughs) it's, it's extremely funny. Like, uh, but the, the thing about it is like, that is an impression that uh, people get like the, the, the democratizing of knowledge, which is, uh, you know, 100% a good thing. Um, I, well, all, here's the here's the thing. I would argue that it's not actually democratizing. Well, you well, no. So I was going to say yeah, the same yeah. thing. Like yeah. the, the 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 goal of democratizing knowledge, right? Yeah. Like the idea of the internet being this thing where, well, if we put it all in the same place, then like we can all kind of like get the same knowledge and, and learn the same things. So we don't have to have gatekeepers or whatever. Has just become this idea that knowledge is in fact like a flat circle and so you can just be like okay every knowledge is the same as every other knowledge <laughs> knowledge is just like a quanta that gets passed around and right exactly of, yeah, and like once once knowledge is a quanta um you 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 essentially get like you essentially get a uh a perspective that says like well have you done the same uh, amount of man hours of reading as i have and if not like what what do you think you're doing here yeah that's that's funny because yeah, that's funny because then the the other side of that is talking from lived experience, but even lived experience itself can be used in like this attempt to be like kind of sockdologizing and totalizing, like uh, just kind of like, hey, I lived this, so you don't know, and it's like, no, you're describing something we both have lived at our living like that <laughs> yeah kind of no, that's right it's, if you're talking about like something hyper specific yeah i haven't but if you're talking about like being alive yes <laughs> like did you grow up in in the yukon the son of a <laughs> of a of a disgraced uh mountie yeah well, I guess I, no i, didn't, I did know. not good, but I'm just saying, good like, call that's true but yeah i was just wondering so that kind of thing though where it's like what i was describing of like people who are like well, this movie has X, Y, and Z attributes. So if you don't like it, your racism is showing. When someone says that about a movie that doesn't necessarily do or say anything about race, 
they're doing free PR for a thing in a weirdly dishonest way, which maybe that is a justification for feeling good about or liking a thing. Or maybe it's just a justification for arguing online or it's an identity or community. But when people are doing that, I feel the same way as thinking about the grandmas who are, you know, celebrating Trump going in a rowboat to Texas. Like, I can't tell if that removal of yourself from... Okay, like, here's another version. Like, any... any The last two presidential elections, you I would have conversations with people who weren't on the payroll, who were not flax for the party, who would be arguing with me saying things like, yeah, of course I want good things. Of course I want good things in a better country. But let's be realistic. How is that going to play with people in fucking Peoria or whatever? And you'd be like, good things will play good with people in Peoria. I don't understand why you're doing this level of like, you're talking like a priest from the priesthood class of assholes. Like they, <laughs> they, they don't, that's not real. Like, yes, if we all had better standards of living, it would play really well in West Virginia. Like $15 minimum wage wouldn't make Joe Manchin popular or unpopular. If he opposed $15 minimum wage and you made him take a stand, he'd be unpopular. But yeah, the exactly. fact that you would have these conversations with people who are not working for the party, but they're talking about politics out of remove, as, at least as if it's happening in a world that they're not in, would always scare the hell out of me. And I, I can't help but feel like so much conversation is mediated that way now. If it was just online, that would be fine. But I have seen it spilling out into the actual world where it's like – Oh, yeah, totally. It's just weird how everybody talks like a Keynesian beauty pageant is based on not deciding what's beautiful yourself but deciding what other people think is beautiful. So it's a metaphor for making good moves with in, in markets, right? Yeah. After a while, if you don't have any money in the markets, you should decide what you think is beautiful <laughs> yourself. You know what no, I mean? No, that's like, exactly <laughs> right. And like, you know, one of the things I really wanted to talk with you about today, uh, and it actually like lines up with all this other stuff in a much more interesting way. So I'm happy that you uh, <laughs> took us this direction. Um, is like, you know, one of the things that strikes me is the idea of like what counts as like a reason or what counts as a why, like what counts as a, a sort of incentive for doing something. Um, what are we sort of like approaching, what are we trying to do when we make like, you know, a novel or we make uh, even a video game or like, uh, in your case, like a, like a, a graphic novel even, right? Like when we're writing something that people might be interested in reading, um, like what is the point of, uh, their interest? Because like, you know, the, uh, you can play a bunch of video games now that not just gotcha games, but like also games that uh, games that just like are are based on God. I don't know, like like uh, resets and stuff. So you're talking about like you know games like Escape to Tarkov, which is a shooter but has like various ranking systems that reset, and then you log in, and you try to build up your little numbers, and you can pay to get better numbers and stuff like that. That's super obvious, right? Like, uh, the point of those is they want you to pay more money so you can get more numbers, so you can kind of move through the game faster. The incentive is always either get the free stuff or pay money so you don't have to do stuff to get the free stuff and you get it 
quicker and you can make better gambling or, you know, try and get better stuff. Right? See, I think in games, the idea of like uh, incentives is is more laid out and has metrics in ways that other works of art don't have. I think you're totally right. Like, I, I, but also if we, I mean, all of the stuff aside, then like the things that are basically degenerate strategies to addict people. I mean, that's that's kind of where games started, obviously, with arcades and whatnot and, and high score thing as the incentive, not just your own personal best, but to like have your name somewhere. That's that's one thing. But I think as games got more sophisticated, incentive in games seems to always be tied to an idea of progress, either like a linear progress of like to reach the end or like a progress to, I don't know, quote unquote, RPG elements ended up in everything because it adds one million little points and pieces of progress and bars to fill up and things like that. Even things that naturally didn't have those in the past. So I, I, I think incentive is really interesting because like there are games where what you're trying to get to is has obvious metrics and you either make it or you don't, you start over. But then yeah, like a th- Mario or something like that, right? Like, yeah, like so the like the, the the Mario games would be a thing where it's like the first one you're literally just trying to get from left to right within time without dying, right? Right, exactly. They, they would get more sophisticated where maybe things would become like polycoursal instead of monocoursal. There would be different courses through a thing and different places where you end up. I, maybe they only did that with like uh, the Super Nintendo one where like things had different exits that took you to different things and secrets like that. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, folks. Have you ever had the nagging suspicion that your hairline is retreating on you? Ever get curious about why it suddenly feels so breezy up there? Well, father time comes for us all, and when you think he might be coming for your hair, get him out of there with keeps. Yes, friends, keeps, a revolutionary new treatment for male pattern baldness and hair loss that, when used at the first signs of balding, allows you to keep that beautiful head of hair full and firm. Best of all, you can use keeps from the comfort of your own home. Simply visit one of their doctors online and have a prescription mailed to the convenience of your own home. Every three months, you'll get more, and if you're worried about the price, don't. Keeps uses a generic version of hair loss medicines and passes the savings on to you. A new price for a new you starting at $10 a month. But don't forget to act soon because the key to Keeps is prevention, not regrowth. Save that head of hair, friend, before it goes away and save it today with a special offer code by going to www.keeps.com slash Hagelbond. That's www.keeps.com. K-E-E-P-S dot C-O-M slash H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. Go there and receive your first month free and tell them Hegelbond sent you. But like <laughs> the thing that is interesting to me about video games is those incentives not just being tied to progress can become expression within, you know, within the parameters of whatever the game is, right? And it's like I know people who play Dark Souls and their goal is to dress their character as crazy as possible. You know, right, like, fashion souls, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's built into it. You know, they're 
that seems really interesting to me, but it has a million different weird, uh, weird pitfalls. Like, I don't know. One thing that I think a lot of people didn't necessarily like, but I thought was really interesting was like in Kentucky route zero, there were all these choices you could make that literally did not impact what happened. Yes. They were, no, no, I, I see where you're going with this. Yes, you, I agree. You could like say they, like... They someone, almost became like aesthetic choices. But beyond that, someone would be like, well, what do you remember? And you could be like, I remember the window open and I was driving the truck. Or like, I remember being in the kitchen of so-and-so's house and listening to the radio. And like, that choice you make might not show up again. Like sometimes right. someone would say, what's the dog's name? And you'd say... You could choose a name or say it didn't have a name. Someone else would name it. And then throughout the whole every episode, that would be the dog's name. But there were other yeah. ones where it was just literally you were choosing the character's memory or opinion on a thing, which I thought was really interesting. It, it wasn't a cop-out that it just uh, – that it, quote, didn't matter as far as progress. But I thought that was an interesting direction to go. And – they're not one to one because in in Disco Elysium, so many of the different systems that actually have systematic interaction with the progression moving the story forward are choices right. you make that are kind of forms of expression within parameters, right? Right. Like, I mean, and 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 when you're talking about that, you're talking about like a particular sort of um, commentary on those things too, particularly in Disco Elysium, where like you know the choices you make end up kind of reflecting a sort of like politics in and of themselves. Um, and literally a politics when it comes to Disco Elysium. Yeah. Uh, but, but not necessarily elsewhere uh, in other things. I think what's like, what's, what's really interesting about what you're saying though, is, you know, these methods of getting through a game or like what keeps us coming back to a game, right. Or like what gets us interested in, in playing a sequel or, or buying a sequel or whatever. Um, you know, there are ways of understanding, novels or literature or art or you know comics this way too where like the actual thing that gets us interested or invested in returning to um a a, a, a franchise or um picking up something new is always going to be slightly different right like uh, you're reading for the plot or you're reading for the imagery or you're reading for the relationships like a, a friend of mine was was just tweeting that they were reading like a 1300 uh page like disease pandemic novel and was almost like i hope these two characters get together so. <laughs> yeah well, damn <laughs> that's that's a thing to read right now i guess yeah yeah no, not my choice but you know i mean some people like i said everyone's trying to cope no but, so, um, I, so i think like the thing about a book the thing about like a painting and about a film as well that the fact that it's not two-way in the literal sense that you're manipulating an avatar or a thing happening in it. I think mm. the, ins the incentive is different because progress and like an end state are not things that actually happen when you're reading a book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, progress yeah. is you reading the book end state is you either putting it down, whether you finished it or not, you know, like I think the thing about incentives is like there's a lot of – one thing I really liked about Binding of Isaac is that mm -hmm. if, even when you were losing, especially early on, you were pretty quickly changing what would actually be in the game, where you could go, what character you could be. 
And that one, which it shows up in a lot of different games, a lot of run-based games have that definitely. But something about the way that one was balanced made it feel that when you fucked up or died or whatever, that you were still pushing things forward, which is interesting, which is like if you play any of those uh, what's Ubisoft games where it's like there are a million bars you're filling up all the time, those those don't feel like you're actually doing anything. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Have you ever sure. had that where you play like a Ubisoft game and they're like, you got a new sword and you're like, what does it do? And it's like, I don't know plus two percent of what the other one did you're like it's a little bit like the other okay <laughs> right with a fraction yeah, of a no, percent no, no. up it's like oh okay i guess that's for sure a progress thing or whatever i mean i mean the the other thing the other thing that i think is interesting about that is is sort of like you know noting also that the the how to think about this like the the um the feeling of like success or gratification that some people get in like completing, uh, you know, like finding all the swords in an Ubisoft game probably has something like different than, than what, you know, we're getting out of, because I agree with you. I thought that, that, that bit in, in um, Kentucky route zero was, was brilliant. Um, and I'm sure the people who like having like, you know, the fact that, like I said, this I got a slightly better sword, like that probably bums them out about about uh, about uh, Kentucky Road Zero because they're like it, it is different. It sort of like plays on something different. Um, I guess ultimately, you know, part of me was part of the reason I was thinking about this was because of Final Fantasy fourteen dropping a new expansion and people waiting, you know, hours to log in. <laughs> And, and that idea of waiting hours to log in, right? Just so you can kind of like get into something like the idea of, you know, waiting to see a show makes sense because it's like a one time thing and you get to go see it or waiting to go see like waiting to get into a museum makes sense because you go to see the art, right? But like waiting to play a game that you could have like you can wait a little bit and play anyway or like, you know, subscribing to it or something like why are people doing this? I think you're right that like thinking about it in in terms of incentives is interesting but maybe ultimately misleading going back to like that Keynesian beauty pageant you talked about where like you know you're not like once you sort of get beyond uh the market or like why other people are doing something and you have to ask yourself like well why am i interested in it almost always that question has to be disentangled from incentives cuz like you know you're never getting the kind of like productive you know quality thing out of the work that you maybe want to in, in your own kind of like, you know, um, productive brain or whatever. Well, I'm just, I just also think like in the moment that you're doing something and it's pleasurable, you're kind of actively figuring out why you like it. If you like it, the terms by which you like it, maybe later you'll think about it with some time or whatever. Totally. That, you know, but like the thing about the thing about interactivity in games means that like i don't know i you know i'm deeply i've talked to you about this a million times freaked out by gotcha games and stuff yeah because when i find myself having that kind of addictive feeling like i start being like ah my buttons are getting pushed like you know like (laughs) they, they got their hooks in kind of thing which like it's also weird because it 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 sets things up to have a very normal and regimented feeling of experience, which can be good. I mean, half the reason I think I play video games is because like a thing 
hopefully it's surprising, but it has set rules is, is a, is a comfort over this fucking chaos of, of life to an extent, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but like, yeah, when I find things that are like, then you got to do this and then you got to do this and then you got to do this and that brings this up and then you get this currency, blah, blah, blah. Like I would play those Disgaea games, which, you know, I like and don't like, but when it got to the point where it was like, <laughs> everything you're doing is to like raise this thing, which is going to raise this thing, which is going to raise this thing. I hypothetically it's to make your character strong enough to fight on so that the plot continues. But you understand that those games are an infinite time sink, which can be fun. But like after you've put like 10 hours into a thing and you're just like, Oh, this could go on forever. I have like a weird guilt thing where I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I think like, I like even cultural guilt, right. Where you're just like, well, I could be, you know, doing something like extremely meaningful or something. <laughs> yeah. Like that, yeah. Right? Um, no, I mean, I, I talked to you about, I don't even know if it was, I think it might've been on a podcast. I have no idea, but what I, was I playing, think it might've been. Yeah. I, was, I, I remember this conversation. Anyway. I was playing Sekiro and I was having the thing of being like, I could be studying a language or learning the flute right now. And I'm like, of course I'm not going to be, but like the fact that I would have that guilt of like the fact that I got strong enough to beat a boss in the game was like making me crazy. But like, I mean, so I guess the question for me is like, is that, is the sense of like accomplishment why we do things like read hard novels or like interact with difficult art? Because that doesn't seem no. Right, I mean, I've right? had I've had people I've I've seen people make that as an accusation that people mm-hmm. like hard or strange or whatever art in like a contest with other people to be like on the edge or better than or something. And I like a whole bunch of weird shit and difficult shit, and I'm not thinking about other people when I'm interested in it. You know what I mean? I'm not thinking like, I'm going to read this fucking Alfred Jarry book and read all the like end notes, and I'm going to slap this shit down in the bar and show all the boys. You know, like no, like of course not. Like, but I, I yeah, I mean, just like making art, just like writing or reading, it's like. Half the time, I feel like why I do things is to find out. The The hook and the incentive is that you believe there's going to be some kind of depth in the thing that you can really find stuff out about yourself and about the thing itself. And half the time when I don't like things, it's because, you know, they don't have that space and they're shallow right, or right. whatever. Like, I, I, I was feeling really freaked out because, like, there's probably been a cultural conversation going on about the matrix trilogy that I have totally missed out on, but like it's out there. Yeah. I mean, no, but I'm, I'm, of... I'm not even saying like the, the red pill, blue pill people I'm saying. like, Oh no, no, no. Just cause of the new movie. Yeah. 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 People who are just kind of like this thing that means a lot to all of us. And I was like, Oh God, like maybe I'm a different age than these people. But I remember watching the first one and being like, okay, this is going somewhere interesting. And the second one, you're like, yeah, this could be good. And by the third one, you're like, yes, yeah, so it's a Hollywood action movie. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? And just kind of like that feeling of like, all right. You know, I was really, I was really rooting for this fucking thing for a long time. It seems time, like that's basically what's funny, like uh, not to, not to put you in like in the position of something I'm considering, but like, you know, what's, what's funny about, 
about that that fear though of like oh i'm missing out like because i my my perspective must be like so different than these other people's is like that's that's honestly what people have been saying about the movies right like people have been rewatching them and sort of like reconsidering them and on the timeline and it's mostly been like the first one's great the second one's really fun uh better than i remember the third one sucks <laughs> I, like, I haven't i haven't watched it maybe i like feel like i rewatched all of them a decade ago Mm-hmm. And tell me if I'm misremembering this, but does the second one end in a way in which it seems like actually the Matrix being an illusion doesn't even matter because once you get out of the Matrix, whatever's outside of the Matrix is illusory. And that means there'll be an outside to that as well, and that means there'll be an outside to that. It kind of – does it – am I wrong? It, no, you're it, not. That's the, that's the conversation with the architect. Right? But it pretty much posits a thing there that's really interesting. And then the third one is just like, yeah, but imagine a million guns. It's like, yeah, I don't have to. I'm, I'm, I'm an American. It's it's in my fucking dreams. I can't escape yeah. it. Like, you know yeah. I mean? like, right, exactly. Like, so – I yeah. I mean, I'm not saying like why didn't uh, the Matrix movie do an expression of Buddha nature at the end of it, like and, and show us that reality itself and illusion itself means that all things are illusion and therefore truth will exist inside. I, I'm not asking a Hollywood movie to do that, but like, but like. I, Actually, like the again, fact that like it took engaged. me to a, a thing that I was feeling and thinking so deeply about, and then just shit out at the end. I was like, "All right, <laughs> you know." Well, what yeah, I mean? and I, I think like I think like part of that is, you know, gosh, like I I wish you would engage with the the problem on the terms that you said you would engage with it on, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's like a, part that's of part of I think why people love Disco Elysium so much is that like, and it. I think for me, part of the reason why I just, you know, I can't stop thinking about how good um, um, uh, Kentucky Route Zero is, is that, like, it's it's like these games absolutely kind of, like, open themselves up on a certain on – a, in a certain way, right? Like, in, and say, like, okay, this is, this, is, uh, this is what the game is about. Here's what we're going to be grappling. And then follow through on it. Yeah. Um, see, both of those are yeah. ones that follow through. And the thing that's really interesting about Kentucky Route Zero is I feel like in the beginning they didn't really say this is about now. This is about economics. This is about memory. This is about what it feels like to be in – the very fucking shit heel boot end of deindustrialized America. And then you find that depth in it. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I didn't expect that coming at all. I see. I, when I started Kentucky route zero, I thought it was like, Oh, this is like someone's maybe someone told me this that was like, Oh, it's like a magic realist thing, but it takes place in America. And it's kind of like countryfied. I was like, oh, and then it's like kind of that. Yeah, it's kind I, of I, that. But then already by the second act of it, you're like, there's a lot of stuff about here and about disillusionment, both with technology and conceptual art in the 1970s. Like, I didn't expect this at all. You know what I mean? And yeah, then right. like, and then by the end with like the whiskey factory and the replaced God. leg and everything. The Miski Factory is so good, and it's, the ship of Theseus with the replaced like oh, that's so good. And it, it's and, like yeah, so that is yeah, maybe it is. See, but the thing about whether uh, work, I'm someone who's made comics in which I've gotten reviews where people say like Alex Deegan set out to do X, but he failed at it. He actually did Y, and I was like, I didn't set out to do X. That's, that's what a he, really like that's a really strange way. Of, 
of approaching it. And like, it kind of goes back into that conversation we were having earlier about like, you know, are these like, is this, is this thing that we, we all enjoyed actually problematic? <laughs> um, like, I think like the, I think like the, the, um, like the idea of saying like, you know, like, here's what I got out of this. Here's what I think the thing was trying to do. And like, here's what I think it actually did. Like I've said many things have like failed. Yeah, but, like, sure. And I mean, so much about art is failure. It's like, right. But it's, I think like saying like, I figured out what the artist was going for is another thing entirely where you're sort of like, again, like the incentive of reading the work is this diagnosis as opposed to sort of a, a contemplation, which is like, are two very, very different things. And like the, the diagnosis matches quite well with video games <laughs> in a certain way. Right. Like, like the diagnosis of, 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 um, you know, like strategy and, and, and conceptual conceptualizing, you know, the various like ways in which the game works, you know, that, that all works. It's very analytical, but like, it doesn't quite work the same way with art, even if there's a temptation to say things like Alex Deegan tried to do this and failed. Right? Well, that, well, it's just weird in that thing because, like, you know, the thing is, like, I'm the artist and lots of times I didn't set out with a thing in I, – I set out with a thing in mind, but the very act of making a thing was to – you do it to know, you do it to find out. Mm-hmm. So, like – the weirdest thing about you know, and and God bless them, they're not paid very much because like alt alt comics criticism probably pays less than what alt comics pays, which is nothing. So like I don't <laughs> I, I don't want to shit on them, but like so much of what people are interested in in alt comics is they're interested in a kind of canon of what alt comics is, which is such a right. broad thing that it's impossible to be a monolith. So half the time I read people who are reviewing my work and they're like, well, he's obviously making a reference to this thing. And I'm like, well, I never read that. So, <laughs> so I don't want to, I don't want to do the matrix people dirty by saying like, they set out to say this and they fail. But like, as, as a viewer, I was deeply on board and felt, felt like there was some kind of, direction we were going to and it being an action movie and just kind of like a big budget action movie and the if i'm remembering correctly the final act is kind of like a kung fu jesus where he sacrifices himself for the good of all people yeah that felt very easy and just kind of boring and i wasn't like fuck these guys you know like Keanu, I, I believed in you. I wasn't taking it from that level. It's just much just like, oh, well, in the end, eh, it just did what most movies do. And, you know, I it felt like it was going to be something else, you know. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think like I think the you know, y- your point there is is kind of interesting, which is that like maybe in some ways like the you know, what what a person gets out of like what a person gets out of art. Right. Is is going to be like extremely individualized right like necessarily so yeah um, because because all of the people who are coming to it are coming to it with totally separate subjective experiences right. both both in the life that they're bringing to it and both in the way that they're experiencing the art which is is amazing that's the best thing about existence <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> no honestly i mean i don't know i'm just like, laughing because you're you're right like it's like if if we all saw artwork a and felt b and then we looked at each other and went a b yeah that's yeah done deal cool like 
what would be the fucking there would be no vast tapestry of life and experience would there be no possibility there would be no past or future it would just be like this stagnant nothing well and it's it's also like we 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 talk a lot about i mean in video games we talk a lot about this idea of like optimization right and 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 yeah. optimization doesn't work in art because art is kind of meant to be interesting right well, well that's that's what <laughs> and, i was like and, and make you and make you wonder you know that's what i was telling you about that conversation i was having with mctiernan about people who talk about the optimization of of stories about like you know kind of like no idiosyncrasies on screen nothing that doesn't move the plot and after a while you're like they're talking about optimization by rules and they're arguing once that's done that will be progress for the form like that's completely alien to me mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like no for sure and i think like on some level again that goes back to the optimization idea and, and is why i think for a lot of people like the marvel model um appeals so much because it's like yeah you know we found a way to make these movies that highlight um diverse people and like engage with a large audience and like you know yeah they're they're big budget but like that's like cool and it, it, it's it's interesting that like we instead of like being suspicious of that, it's like well we've optimized it, we fixed it, we've done the whole thing, right? Well, I, I think that must be a real hangover from the the 2010s and the sort of technocracy will save us. Not only will it figure out everything, but it will make us better people. Is a thing that I understand people deeply mm-hmm. want to believe. I would love to believe that too. I would love yeah, for it to I, be Yeah, I would like real. to imagine that the the literature and the art that I consume would make me a better person. Absolutely. Well, I'd also like to believe like if I watch the right TV show that, you know, like more, even better more, it's more will stop happening. You're like that's <laughs> But right. it, it's 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 very weird though because like and this is fucking super left field, but like it's exactly what freaks me out about Ready Player One and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Web Web Three. We don't. We really don't have to talk about the metaverse or whatever. Oh, we're talking. No, but <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying, like the idea that Ready Player One is all just signs and signifiers without experience, and the belief is supposed to be that like when you see Millennium Falcon on the screen or on the page, you already know what this is. You feel about it the same way that the person. In, in the story feels about it. It's a, it's a, it's a finished idea. Like it's not even right. nostalgia so much as like the signs are there. <laughs> like, and yeah, they, they the, are the language, you know? Like, well, that is what nostalgia has, has sort of come to promise, right? This, this idea that, you know, you don't have to actually think about this anymore. Like you will have the feeling you had without having to conceptualize or worry about it. But I feel like there has to be a buy-in there for people to believe or agree to believe that the feeling they had was the feeling they had. You know, I mean, do you have any, you don't, do you have any siblings, Trev? Yes. I have a, I have a sister. I mean, me and my brother are close. We agree on a lot of things. We have experiences where the two of us were together and had wildly different (laughs) memories of the same exact event. We have the same particulars of the event, but what we're taking out of it is so different. Mm -hmm. And sometimes one of us remembers a detail that the other one doesn't. And like, interesting. It's so the idea that when people are like, remember how it was when we all did X, Y, Z? And it's like, 
No, people have been <laughs> no, saying no that to one me. does. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I don't believe that. And I, and I thought it was weird in the '90s when I was a kid that I would see my father kind of see because you know the '90s there was a lot of movies and TV shows and stuff that were all. 60s uh nostalgia him being like yeah it was a hell of a time and being like my dad in the 60s in the late 60s was like working class son of in- immigrants and deeply resented the sort of television idea of hippies and stuff but then mm-hmm. in the 90s for him to be like well forrest gump you're telling it like it is. I was just like, no, man, your your life was more sophisticated than that, man. You've told me it was. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I really like Well, Forrest Gump. You're telling it like it. Well, I'm, I'm just saying I saw, saw Forrest Gump, not to throw my dad under the bus, but I saw Forrest Gump with my dad. And he was getting kind of teary-eyed about the sort of, I guess it was probably the March on Washington scene. I don't remember mm-hmm. what it was. People in front of the reflecting pool and him just being teary-eyed about that and him kind of turning to me and be like yeah it was like that kind of thing and being like yeah fuck tom hanks man no like <laughs> but whatever i mean no it wasn't yeah right no and and i mean that's that's an interesting point too where, where like you can you could point to someone and say like no your memory of this is wrong <laughs> well, yeah, um, i don't want to be that person but, but, it's but like, like there are there are things that are like do not align right or like you told me this was different at a certain point um yeah. Well, and also yeah. it's just so like the thing about art is like the sort of Ready Player One model where it's like, of course, there's a whole economic model where the corporation owns all of the signs and symbols and you're renting from them is already horrifying. But just going to yes. like the aesthetic experience part of it that we're seeing a figure or an image or a thing and being like, yep, that's the thing. We all already know the totality of it and it's represents totally that thing you know like yeah that kind of is antithetical to the experience of art for me at least like you know what's his name fucking maurice blanchot no No. well yeah i love maurice sendak maurice blanchot uh death in literature Mm -hmm. uh was he like uh was probably at the same time as sartre his yeah i think blanchot's uh, a fairly um Contemporary with Sartre. Yeah, I think he wrote that in the 50s. And his argument was that, like, he uses death as in death in literature, if I'm remembering this correctly, is that, like, the symbol and the signifier in its its actual transmitting of meaning dies off. And the things that it can't actually transmit easily in a signified or embodied ways are the thing that the viewer or the reader has in the aesthetic level Mm -hmm. in a thing that literally won't be on the page. Necessarily, when you read a book, it's not just the text or the type on the page. You're like transmitting meaning. Right. Like, and I think that's a pretty good definition of literature and art in general based on how much all of us actually do, you know, fucking head, heart, and hand to exist as people, that art would mean something, both something that can unite us, but something that is also totally subjective and different for all people, you know? Right. And I, you know what, that, that kind of like, it's interesting because what you said there gets me to, to a thought that I like, it's, it, it sort of coalesces a lot of the things that were going on here, but really helps me understand what we've been talking about too. This idea that, art could unite or, or, or might unite or something like that, right? 
th- that idea is like so seductive, right? Like it is, it is such a, it, it, it's something that like seems like it would be wonderful were it true. Um, well, I mean, and there... in that, in, in that, if it were wonderful, were it true, it's very hard not to look at art and say like, okay, this will, uh, this will unite. Right, like well, we'll because do we've it if been, we all agree, we've been sold an idea of culture, especially in the 20th century, that I both love and hate. The idea of popular culture, things that have low barrier to entry, monetary, but that's all basically subjective because so many people have different realities yeah. economically. But like the yeah. idea of like a comic, or you know, even playing a video game in an arcade, or even whatever, like back then, there was an idea that like. If there's a low barrier to entry and art isn't a thing that happens, you know, in rich people's closed rooms or salons or whatever the fuck, there's an idea that we will be seeing the same things and thinking about the same things. Songs playing on the radio, you and a bunch of people in different places are all hearing the same thing. It might Mm -hmm. not literally be uniting you that you're joining hands and saying we are the proletariat because of it, but (laughs) like... It can't hurt. <laughs> right. The, the yeah, problem no, is I mean, we, we are now deep into a thing where we're saying like, well, the right art needs to come out that will unite us because we've given up on the idea of political power or not given up. We're so hurt by the fact that everything's been built to deprive us of political power that right. everybody is writing things you know, on social media all day saying like, well, if this story existed in a different way, you know, more people would be not racist or whatever. And it's like – I don't I feel bad picking on them, but also lots of them are assholes. There are people <laughs> who, uh, who who really uh, fetishize in a, in a way that creeps me the fuck out, like YA young adult literature, in which they yeah. kind of see us as being in like a sort of like fucking contemptuous Monday world of sin where we have all probably consumed so much bad art that we're fucked. But if you make good art for the children and raise them on good art only, you know, yeah. that that, well, that will secure the future, which is like at its basis is it a good idea. I, yeah. An idea of, of taking care of children from the beginning <laughs> is a great idea. Don't get no, me wrong. No, no, it's bad. But it's being bad to like, take care of kids. Being like, oh, well, if you show X and not Y in this art, it will make the world better. It's like – yeah, if we had that math and things were that simple, why wouldn't we just <laughs> do that? Do it. Which is yeah. the thing is like the problem right now is we all have that math. There are a lot of things you could say politically that you're just like, hey, man, if cops weren't shooting men, women and children, <laughs> things would be better. <laughs> and if cops who shot men, women and children – I don't know, had their lives fucking ruined or were executed. Like, like those men, women, and children. <laughs> yes, or yeah. put in jail for life, things would be better. If we didn't have our whole country running on the debt of the poorest while billionaires are crowned, things would be better. And if you actually intruded on the uh, machine as it's running right now and changed those things around, it would be better. If we had a dictatorship with the proletariat, things would be better. We know these things because mm. they're true. You know, like not because there's some fancy idea or whatever. Like we know these things are true because we see we see the opposite reality, <laughs> you know, that we're living. But like right. 
the idea that like, so I don't know, every time I have this conversation or a version of this conversation with you, I feel like I'm saying art doesn't matter, which I don't, I absolutely don't believe. Well, I think, you're, I think like, I think what you're saying, I, I think what Alex Deegan is going for here, <laughs> um, I think what you're saying is more along the lines of like, it's not that art doesn't matter. It's that art isn't like political action in the way that like you can't it's it's not one to one it's not like you know i made this and so now we have this like this better world like the better world is possible and like can exist and 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 ought to exist right but like imagining that we can play a game or watch watch a movie or well, it, you know, and it gets even weirder get because it, because we start going into these super fucking esoteric things of like watch a movie the right way or read a right. Book the yeah, right no, way. no, no, no. Like, yeah, right, exactly. Like, like, oh, I, th- I think, I think, well, I think everyone should watch uh, Licorice Pizza. And it's like, well, turns out like, I fucking hate Paul Thomas Anderson so much. Well, I, I, I don't. I actually, I, I like. It, it's funny. I have, I have a buddy who really likes uh, who really likes him, but it's and like I, I you know, I have, I have no problem with people who like or dislike him. I have zero opinion i like i like that he's making weird shit because we don't really have movies anymore and like sure the the more the better but like i don't know man i saw the master and you know that master has like amazing performances in it and then i saw it and i was like yeah halfway through that film it just feels like shitty student film like blah 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 Mm. where was i after uh and i walked out and i walked out into a world where people like hot damn have you seen the master cinema's back and i was like wow really i like (laughs) i got to the point where i was almost like not talking to people about the master you were just you were like cinema's not bad (laughs) i wasn't arguing that i was just like i was like maybe i think i saw a different film and then my friend josh like two months later i was like do you see the master that kind of like that was good acting great cinematography but she was stupid and i was like thank you man thank you <laughs> i felt like i felt like i was going to say but it, anyway. is, it is odd right like it is it is a weird thing to you know i feel like there's like there are versions of art right or versions of like thinking about art that that necessarily kind of like they they more so appear like something that i, I don't know how to say this like they you can think about art in a certain way and it's like, okay, like people will, people will agree with me or disagree with me or whatever. Like when you're talking to someone about, you know, William Wordsworth or something, right? Like, like <laughs> I like this or I didn't like this. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. And people are like, oh yeah. Okay. Like I remember reading that in college. Like I thought it was bad or I thought it was good. Um, and then like you talk to people about something like the master or something like a Marvel movie or so, basically it's either indie movies or, or extremely popular cinema. And, you end up getting into these arguments where people are like, how dare you (laughs) say that my perception of this is wrong? It is um, objectively correct. And I feel like, you know, more, more so than just like, you know, I think what's valuable about, about this conversation we keep having. And I I think it's good. We keep having it because it's a, it's a big conversation that I don't know. I'm always, you know, prone to uh, oversimplifying. Um, and I think a lot of people are prone to oversimplifying. Um, well, also we're, we're, we're half the time our communication is in a place that's by length made to oversimplify and also through incentives of what's rewarded with attention as oversimplification. Yeah, no, 100 percent. If you say like, I have a bunch of complicated feelings about X, it's different than being like, yo, you like X? Fuck you. (laughs) You Right. Well, and and like the the thing is like it's it's not like 
Hmm. It's not as if like the impulse to wanting to find community or the impulse to wanting to find like an objective truth in film or, or whatever, like all that's fine. But like the idea that you can be like, you, you can say like, I didn't like this. And then someone will say like, not just you're wrong, but you're being like aggressive or rude or like cruel to me in a particular way. You know what that, what that kind of in, indicates is like, yeah, you know what, what you're saying is that this piece of art is like so deeply important not just to you, but to the material reality of the world. And once you start saying that, then and, and not just like, oh, it re reflects something that should be reflected in the material reality of the world. If you're saying this is like crucial to understanding the material reality of the world is my reading of this thing. Yeah. Then you're getting into a really dangerous place. Well, I mean, I to go back. Dangerous, to dangerous because it, 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 it misunderstands progress for, I don't know. It just misunderstands. Well, I always just think about literature and the fact that, you know, like last century, there was a lot of people who I liked and don't like who were trying to define what literature is because like you didn't really have to, you didn't really have to describe it or define it in the 19th century. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. In the 20th century, the world had changed so much and who was reading and who could read was already different. So like if you think about, Oh God, what's his name? The guy who wrote The Stranger? <laughs> Fuck. Oh, uh, Camus. 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 Politically complicated man. He was no angel. <laughs> he but, wasn't. It was right that that cop killed him. Yeah. No, I'm just saying like last time I saw somebody, I was basically sharing a joke with myself that someone was like, yeah, um, if you see a quote from Camus, you got to understand what his belief about French ownership of Tangier was. And it's like, okay. In, in 2020, 2021, I got to think about that. Like, he was dead before I was born. It's fine. But uh, <laughs> but so one of Camus' things in The Rebel, he talks about alienated experience. And alienated experience politically being a sort of definitional reality that we all live in. We both live in it and it also keeps us separated from each other, Right. Yes. Those connections to understand that we were all alienated in a way that is both the same and totally separate dovetails perfectly with the sort of Marxist idea of what alienation is. I've, oh, absolutely. I've and found, I think like that's, I've found that's why it, Marxism works when you think about cultural criticism yeah. right? in a way that isn't just like, is this about labor? So I right? like, yeah. found in my own life artwork itself can bring and has brought me together with people from totally different backgrounds, sometimes totally different languages, totally different cultures. Mostly it's music in this case, but mm. also movies and stuff like that. That is such a point of departure from all of the complicated bullshit. And I'm not saying all art will make it so people who you might be strangling each other, you can actually talk, but it's true. And I mean, I know so many people who have complicated relationships with like parents or something, but they can watch a movie or, you know, sports. A lot of people I know oh, can only sure. fucking talk yeah. to their dad if a game is on. Like, yeah, no, there, for sure. there is something about that that I think is both necessary and is also like something we do as a group when it's art and it hits us in such deep ways that we actually have to start thinking about things that we normally don't when you make a connection with somebody 
based on art and not just like I like X or I like Y, but what it means to you. It It is not always, and it can't be designed to be as such, but it can always be a bridge out of alienation. You know, I, I think also it is this it's this sense of like I think sports is a wonderful example for this, too, where you just like if you say like, yeah, you know, these uh, I can watch sports with my with my parents and I can't do anything else with them because like sports ultimately as a signifier is beyond any sort of like actual materiality. It, it means something to us that is deeper than than the material. Yeah, because like it, it kind of has to like, you know, d- we're talking about the Knicks before and we were talking, we mentioned the Eagles while we were here. It's like following those, those teams, like ultimately, like if you ask either of us, why we do that, it's not like, Oh, because of like this really important material reason, right? Like <laughs> I think it's ultimately both of us, some it's, sort of emotional. Yeah. But I think follow I, the Knicks because of a, a material. I forgot. Yes, no, I'm saying that for both of us, it's a curse. <laughs> yeah, no, from, no, so. yeah, for sure. For sure. No, I was, I was just laughing about the idea of you following the Knicks because of like a very Purely. emotional and personal reason <laughs> for, like, for Hegelian dialectical. Reasons. I just, I, yeah, the, my, my, my reason for following the Eagles is I hate myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm, you know, the, the story with the Knicks tonight was we got to see Steph Curry be celebrated after a decade of him being celebrated for getting a record against the Knicks who he then defeated. I liked yeah. that that just to rub salt in the wound, like someone put out a story that they were like, it now can be confirmed. Steph wanted to be a Nick. It's like, man. <laughs> it's like fuck you, man. Why? Like, it sucks that you do that. <laughs> it was funny. I was checking in with Andrew. You know, I was watching highlights of the game i didn't really watch i was checking it with andrew and it was just like so how's it uh not good okay <laughs> like you know just like <laughs> yep <laughs> but at one point it was like oh it looks like no okay <laughs> i thought they were gonna i thought they'd pull it off but i, uh, I would have liked them too but anyway i want to bring also something up about the illusion of the sort of two-way nature of our of our reaction to it and how it one of the things I really like about your book, which for the audience, it's called Story Mode. It is it's, called Story Mode. It's from Trevor Strunk. I don't know where you can buy it at this point. I bet it's at Amazon. Like, oh God, why anyone that. would buy anything from Amazon at this point? I hate <laughs> that because like, it, yeah, when people are like, where can I get your book? I'm in fucking Berlin. And I was just like, um, you could ask your favorite bookstore to figure out how to order my book there or Amazon. <laughs> I would prefer yeah. if you didn't do Amazon. Please do not do Amazon. It's so but funny. But you want Every to do single... a lot of work or try to make someone else do a lot of work that they might not do, it might be very hard. You know? <laughs> every every store except Amazon is backordered, which which makes me think Amazon just ordered all the stock and was like, Christ. all right, we're the only game in town. And we, we, we can't, we, I mean, that's an algorithm that does that. It wasn't like someone at Amazon was like, this I is love blowing this up. <laughs> Bezos himself, he was shining his head and reading your book. But what I wanted to say was I really liked a thing, a thing that shows up in a bunch of the chapters, but especially the uh, the one about Metal Gear and especially the one about uh, Dark Souls, mm. is about a work being made, an audience reaction from it, and then sort of like the work itself changing based on that sort of feedback loop which is really interesting and it's, it's just a story of art. But yeah. like the funny thing about the Kojima one especially was, you know, the fact that a deep and meaningful 
seemingly defining point and theme is subverted in the fact that they have to sell something based on the hero. So the story that's like, hey, the whole idea of heroes is a form of social control and a form of myth making that isn't good and fucking forget about it. If you're playing a video game to act out heroism, it's a video game and it's not real. Right. And then the next one is like, yeah, hero's back. Yeah. The fact, yeah. The fact that like literally it does that. And then the next one has a joke about how like, Oh, you thought we put up, you thought we put the bad hero in. No, like we heard you all. Yeah. It, that, yeah, that struck me. I'm glad, I'm glad you, you got as much out of that as I did. Cause it's like, it is this moment where it's like, wow, that's like, this is a, a sort of like approach to storytelling that I feel like, has not really been grappled with in the same way. Well, like I, outside I, of outside of like pure genre movies that weren't trying to like, yeah. like you know, Friday the 13th or whatever. Like, oh, we better bring back the old Jason. I know. <laughs> but but that's a funny thing where like I feel like so much of the way that we interact with art now involves us having a knowledge of the commercial side of it. So much so that friends of mine who are really into the Marvel stuff would be like, oh shit, you think there's going to be mutants in this one? They can't technically say mutant because this copyright and this copyright stuff. And after a while, I'm like, fuck copyrights, man, whatever. But like, (laughs) what is going on? Yeah, right. But it's just weird that I can't remember. I think it might have been Detroit become human. Yeah. Okay. Which, you know, that guy's a fucking clown, so whatever. But like, the, uh, the, Part of the game, if I remember correctly, I never played it. Someone was describing this to me. Is you have like a Siri type AI character who is like, you know, your helper or something. But it becomes obvious that this this AI who's your helper is also a sentient prisoner and a slave. Oh wow! And okay. so you can free them. And part of the one of the main story beats is you free them. But then there was an announcement like a lot of people were sad that, you know, got she gets free. So uh, DLC, you can get her back. <laughs> it was just kind of like Jesus uh, you free your robot slave and then pay extra to re-enslave. Or maybe it wasn't DLC, but I'm just saying like wow, it's, it's weird to me. And that sort of Ready Player One thing is like when things are reduced to that kind of thing, the sort of market thing or sort of the genre – idea for selling it to people or whatever that like i don't know a few years ago i probably said this to you because it fucking freaked me out and i'm always yelling about it but i saw a funko pop of laura palmer from twin peaks dead yeah was it the one where she was like it wrapped in the sheet literally wrapped in plastic and blue and is a funko pop and after a while it's like that shouldn't that story is not to make a collectible of a girl who was raped and killed. <laughs> right, I'm yeah, not even no. just saying like, this is bad taste. I'm saying like, it doesn't make literal sense, but obviously it must be popular. It's like, well, and, yeah. And I mean, part of the reason it's popular is because it doesn't like, it, it does not make literal sense. Right. Like it, it is one of those things where it's like, Oh, check this thing out. Like this is, <laughs> this is messed up, isn't it? Or I wonder um, if just somebody's like, oh, I'm a huge fan of twin peaks, man. It's just kind of like, here's, Laura Palmer dead. Like, all right. Like, it's, it's oh, so, my favorite scene in the whole thing. It's the part where a horrible tragedy. Yeah. So I don't want right? to make it as easy as just saying, like, the problem is capitalism, you know, perverting and subverting meaning itself. Like, but, like, if you want to make a story about 
a kind of video game where you're playing as the hero to learn that ideas of heroism have a million problems. Like, and also heroism doesn't exist in that sense, you know, and then it gets popular and the hero comes back. It just like, I think we get used to things having that commercial engine and reason for existence that totally supports us having any actual meaningful feeling about it. Well, and you know, that's a good point because it's like, there is a, there's an element at which like you get that kind of like cross purposes of, I think this, like this thing that I like, this media property that I like, I love is um, also going to like help save the world. Right. We were talking about that. How like you want, like we, like I, I won't, I won't absolve myself here want a kind of like political uh, uh, efficacy to the art we, we consume, right? Um, and if the art we consume has the political efficacy, then it's not just – and it's not enough to be like, hey, um, the, uh, the, the art, yeah, okay, it exists in a market and that's kind of crummy and like, you know, we just have to acknowledge that and then move on. It has to be wholly acceptable. <laughs> you can't you – can't, have it be other, right? Like you can't have it be otherwise. It has to be totally important, like in and of itself. And like, if it's not, then it's a real problem. Um, and so like, you know, that, that ends up to the sort of like knee jerk defense of, of commercial art as like, not just, okay. Like, you know, we, we accept it and we, we enjoy the art still, but like, in fact, good because it's commercial, right? Like good because it's like finding ways to explain how its relationship to the market is actually salutary and part of its emancipatory qualities. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like the thing that freaks me out about (coughs) the sort of ready player one thing, the kind of franchise thing, the sort of like infinite game master, Anthony universal party (laughs) where everybody comes in with everything Right. Is like, it pretty much establishes that none of that will happen. You know, like, it, yeah. it, by design. And it's like, it, you're basically just renting feelings or even the sort of signifiers of feelings from multinational corporations. And, so, and, and if shit goes really wrong, you'll be doing it in VR while you work and stuff. It's no. Like, <laughs> you know. So, like, what? Let me ask you this, and then then I'll I'll, I'll let you go after this because we've been talking a while. It's getting late, but um, I want to know like what is what is like ultimately what do we get if we're like if we're enjoying art outside of this this like what is the promise of art enjoyed outside of like simply reference like if you know if one option is you're renting a feeling what is like an <laughs> what is an alternative option I think in in your opinion in my opinion like honestly. To me, it's a thing that is so not unconscious, but like hard to convey to the point of like, honestly, I think it's as simple as, as, as looking into things to find out. I mean, Mm, mm. and the ideal is you find out about a thing you didn't even know you were looking for. Like there is something, there are so many things in the world that feel easily defined i don't know for instance every year i've been alive for a very long time for me personal you're you, i mean you're you are 700 years old no i mean I, i'm the oldest this year that i've ever been so every year it's just a personal best kind of getting up. Yeah, well. but uh yeah no so like the coming on of the seasons is always 
new and strange. Like, it's never where I'm like, I've been through enough winters by now that I shouldn't look out a window and be like, the fuck, it's two o'clock and it's this dark? Yeah, no. And also, I, like, I was walking down the road, I was hiking around here, and I looked up in the sky, it was probably like 3.30, and, you know, we're getting near the equinox, so the moon and the sun in the sky were equally distant over the horizon. Hmm. And I was like, holy shit, I've never seen that before. And I was like, I've obviously seen that before. But it's like... <laughs> you, just, you just became, you became like a druid in that moment. You were like, uh-oh. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying it was, it was a thing that there was like, the moment and the feeling that I had there was something that I both know and didn't know at the same time and felt. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you hear a, a poetic turn of phrase or something, Sometimes there's that little thing like, oh, that's clever or something. And then sometimes there's a thing where it's like, I don't know, it feels like uh, feels like part of you was like broken into a million pieces and reconfigured. Like it's mm-hmm. it's impossible to say the actual like metrics and mechanics of why and how that works. And it's also a life's work to try to make other people feel that and whether you succeed or whether you're not is – subjective but like yeah i would argue that like we understand concepts of infinities and stuff but the moments that we feel them are fleeting we feel and understand in passing moments things much bigger than us you know like when you have that with another person when you have a moment of real communion and connection that feels great and it probably defines a relationship you will have with them for a long time and you go in and out of it but like when you have it with a work of art, there's something there's something that's deep on a level that feels like nothing else. <laughs> because it's nothing that is actually demonstrably real. You mm-hmm. know, it's not like you know, like having an orgasm or skinning your knee or something. Like it's nothing where you're like <laughs> the, the two other things that those you two can... other things that human beings experience. But I'm just saying like it's not like a thing where you're like, oh, if then statement, I understand why this happened. I feel like right. there are a lot of people who after the fact are like, and this is why this art works to make you feel X, Y, or Z. Maybe they're right as much as like form, but like, you know. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where it, it is the reason that that like talking about reception is is sticky and like something that – you know, like personally, I never wanted to do when I was an academic. Like I, I, I hated talking about reception and never would because like it's not something you as like a thinker can really talk about, right? Like you can't – I can't I can't speak to how you would receive something. It's like it's well, that's, holy – Yeah, like, and that's one of the weirdest yeah. things about now is so much of when I was saying that Keynesian beauty patch, so many people are talking about saying we all respond to this thing in this way and it works this way. And it's like half the time I feel like if you had the alchemical formula for gold figured out, you'd make gold. You wouldn't be explaining mm-hmm. the formula to people. You know, you wouldn't <laughs> like. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like, and, and you know, it's like it again, like it is it is a matter of of like analysis versus like the 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 surety of like of knowledge that I think is like is like sort of uh, it, it leads to a lot of really bad thinking, not bad thinking, but like thinking that doesn't get you very far. Well, I think say. it also it, it makes you think that 
people who argue publicly, both as like their personal identity and their group identity, that the basic rules of existence and the rules of human behavior and human feelings are a thing that I have the simple formula for. Those people never actually believe that as much as they have sort of like, I don't know, someone who, who believes with an unshakable faith in God would never have to kill an unbeliever. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Right. Because they would be totally comfortable. In it. Like, so like half the time people were arguing those things. If you look at how everything is a, everything is culture war now, fucking people who thought the gender binary was the thing that was set in stone wouldn't be blowing up fucking forests with like gender reveal parties. They wouldn't have to. <laughs> But they are, <laughs> you know what I right, mean? Right, right. Yeah, they're we're, simple. We're, yeah. They can't actually live in or find peace in their simple answers, and their mm-hmm. simple answers have to become things that they act out on others. You know, like. But here, let me read you something that's from a person who's a lot smarter than me. The only problem okay. with this is that it's on Tumblr, so the person put it up without any punctuation, and it's in all caps. So I might stumble through it a little bit. I'm very excited. This is from Andre Tarkovsky. It's from his uh, his autobiography, Sculpting in Time. It's the okay. filmmaker who did Solaris and Andre Rublev and Stalker, and he's talking about why making why you would decide to make avant garde art. So he says, through poetic connections, feeling is heightened, and the spectator is made more active. He becomes a participant in the process of discovering life, unsupported by ready-made deductions from the plot or ineluctable pointers by the author. He has at his disposal only what helps to penetrate to the deeper meaning of the complex phenomena represented in front of him. Complexities of thought and poetic visions of the world do not have to be thrust into the framework of the patently obvious. The usual logic, that of linear sequentiality, is uncomfortably like the proof of a geometry theorem. As a method, it is incomparably less fruitful artistically than the possibilities opened up by associative linking, which allows for an effective as well as a rational appraisal. And how wrong it is that cinema makes so little use of the latter mode, which has so much to offer. It possesses an inner power which is concentrated within the image and comes across to the audience in the form of feelings, inducing tension and direct response to the author's narrative logic. So he's arguing that the poetic connection, not the literal connection, actually makes us discover life. <laughs> hmm. I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's an argument for the associative as opposed to the the iterative or the the referential. Yeah. Huh. And he's smarter than me. So um. Oh, smarter than me too. So <laughs> You want to you want to end on you want to end on Tarkovsky? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, let's uh, do a quick thirty more minutes about. Uh, yeah, no, minutes. he's smarter than both of us. But let's talk a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm glad that you waited until now because we would have had to end the episode at any point that you broke that out. <laughs> well, I was uh, trying to, I was trying to remember where I what I was trying to remember that exact <laughs> exact passage. So if I was kind of distractedly typing and no, then the, the only place I found it was on a Tumblr called a bittersweet life where someone has put it up. They must've retyped it in all caps with no, with no punctuation. You don't know that Tarkovsky didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't find it on fuck. Yeah. Andre Tarkovsky. <laughs> yeah, dot Tumblr.com. <laughs> 
Um, well, uh, where can people find your work, man? Like, where, where, uh, where should where should people be uh, looking for? I've for got your... a book that came out in spring of 2020 called "The March to Our Library." Um, that's the newest thing, and I have a book called "Soft X-ray Mind Hunters," which I think I'm going to start selling directly from myself, maybe with signed copies and stuff. So look out cool. for that because I have done that yet. But uh, have you quit Twitter yet? No, I was actually uh, a friend of mine in Japanese was talking about how he doesn't have the power to quit Twitter, Twitter and he wants someone to force him. And I said, yes, I'm the same. I want somebody to help me. So I'm not alone in wanting to quit. <laughs> but, I, love, I love when you say that you're going to quit Twitter and then – we we, I, I we mean, kind of know it's it's a running joke at this point, but it's good. It's it's, good. it's very good. I, Lots of times when I say it, I am quitting for the moment, though. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, turning off Twitter is fine. But uh, <laughs> oh, you're also, at you are at uh, a to the underscore d, d on Twitter. And people should follow you. I agree. I think. Um, and and also read your comics because they're very good. Yeah, um, I so. think I think a lot of what you said on the show is reflected. In your, uh, I, I would say, reflected in your comics, but yeah, you know. I hope so. I mean, yeah, thank you. Yeah, of course. What I was about uh, to deflect that praise and tell you you were wrong. <laughs> I'm getting better. I stopped. You were, you were <laughs> actually going. To... <laughs> I was about to be like, no, you're wrong. My shit sucks, Trevor. <laughs> it's bad. How dare you say that it's good? <laughs> okay, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was about to, and I was like, what am I doing? But uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, everyone go follow Alex, um, and go read his work and, um, you're going to come on soon again. Cause we're, we're going to, we're going to do uh, some stuff. We're going to have one with you and McTiernan cause, uh, the, the people demand it. It's oh, like uh, the streets, the streets have been demanding this for some time. <laughs> I, you know, all the mixtapes I pick up now, there's at least one verse, um, about how Ben Simmons can't shoot and how uh, you will not appear on a podcast with Pictiernan and vice versa. Yo, no, I'm not even going to start it. I was about to stop. Okay, yeah. Were you about to defend Ben Simmons? No, I was about to talk about something else, only oh, tangentially related. But uh, well, we'll do we'll do it when you're on next next time. Uh, so thanks again, Ben, and uh, uh, farewell to Deegan, and uh, farewell to you all as well. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash Hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.